Matthew chapter 10. Let's go there. We've been working our way through the book of Matthew now, 23, 24 weeks, something like that. I wonder today, are you just kind of tired of the same old, same old? You know, it's just like the world just keeps sort of taking the same old, same old and repackaging it and rebranding it and sort of representing that. And here, I want to tell you this today. If you want to live the most meaningful and fulfilled life possible, if boredom is not your thing, if you find boredom to be unbearable, in fact, if there is within you a stirring to live out your God-given purpose, God's plan for you, his agenda for your life, his mission for your life, if that's something that's burning in your heart or beginning to burn in your heart, then I believe the book of Matthew in God's word, I believe that book's for you today. Matthew's written by a guy that had everything that the world could possibly offer him, and he turned from it to follow Jesus. He chose a better path. And I love that about Matthew. And Matthew's led by God to write this book that we have in our Bible called the book of Matthew. And here's the thing about this book. I think the gospel of Matthew essentially uh, is a, a, a field guide for how kingdom of heaven people are to live for King Jesus in the here and now of planet earth. It's a textbook for how to do that, for how to follow Jesus as a fully devoted follower of Jesus and as a citizen of his kingdom. That's what the book of Matthew is about. So if you're here, and I'm glad you're here no matter where you may be on the faith spectrum here today, because here's the great thing about Jesus. He meets us wherever we may be, how far, how deep, wherever we may be, he meets us and he begins to move us along. But you may be here today and following Jesus is not really where you are yet. Maybe today you're a fan of Jesus, you, you like Jesus, you, you, you enjoy the whole church scene somewhat at least, right? And you're kind of in that place. If you're there today, then, then Matthew's probably not connecting with you yet, like maybe God intends for it to connect. But there are some of you in the room today, I know it for a fact, that there's been a moment in your life, there was a shift in your heart where you knew, I no longer want to simply be a fan of Jesus. I want to follow him. I, I want to live for him. I want to be a part of extending and establishing his kingdom in this world. Not just where it's easy to do that, but even where it's difficult to do that, I'm in. That's what I want. I want to follow Jesus. So if the same old, same old is how you want to live out the rest of your days, can I just suggest you avoid the book of Matthew? You may just want to paperclip all those pages together because God might just use the book of Matthew to flip your world upside down in a beautiful way. Because Matthew is not into the same old, same old. Matthew isn't calling people just to say the right things and sing pretty songs and be a fan of Jesus. That's not what Matthew's doing. Matthew's about how to live a life that is completely and totally, and what's our word, grace life, right now here? Different. That's what Matthew's about. Walking into a totally different way of living. Now, 
the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached is found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We spent a couple of months walking through that together. Today we come to the second sermon that Matthew records of Jesus in the book of Matthew, and it's found in Matthew chapter 10. It's not as famous a sermon as the Sermon on the Mount, but I believe that it is at least equally, if not even, more important than the Sermon on the Mount. Think of these two sermons like this. You have, one, the Sermon on the Mount. That's Kingdom Living 101. And then Matthew chapter 10, you have the Sermon on Mission. And that's Kingdom Living 201. The sermon in Matthew chapter 10 is an upper course, upper level course. See, when Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount back in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's kind of for just a general audience. It's sort of for everybody. And that's why it's so famous and so popular. But we get to Matthew chapter 10, it's really not for everybody. It's not for the fans, it's for the followers of Jesus. If you're a fan of Jesus, I know you probably love the Sermon on the Mount, but you might not yet appreciate the Sermon on Mission. And that's okay, because we're all works under progress, right? We're, we're, we're under construction. He's still working on us. But I'm just saying, I know this is a place in Matthew that's probably not going to connect with everybody in the room today. And truth be known, this is probably why some preachers go fast through Matthew 10. But we're not going to go fast through Matthew chapter 10 because it's so critically important. Matthew chapter 10, to be honest with you, I think is where the good little boys and girls sit down. And the men and women who want to follow Jesus stand up. I think that's what's happening In Matthew chapter 10, men and women of God is for those who are standing up. I want to stick my neck out and I want to follow Jesus. I was walking around the lake this morning, big old turtle was cutting across the path to the back gate out there. I thought, hey, I got a walking buddy today. But he didn't walk with me. You know why? Because he never stuck his neck out. True story. I took a picture of it, sent it to our college students. And I said, look, there's a lesson here, students, to be learned from this. God wants you to go somewhere too, but you're never going to go until you decide to stick your neck out. Matthew chapter 10 is for the people who are sticking their neck out for Jesus, wanting to follow Jesus. In the world of leadership and mentoring, people development. There's an old saying that says, I do and you watch. You do and then I'll watch. And that's what we've been watching Jesus kind of do with his disciples through the book of Matthew. He's had this pattern, we've talked about this, where he like does amazing things and then he teaches And then he does more amazing things, and he teaches, and he does more amazing things, and he teaches. And his disciples have been watching all of this. They've been observing him and how he does all of this, how he lives and how he loves and how he serves. And now we get to Matthew chapter 10, and Jesus is going to look at them and say, Tag, you're it. I've been doing, you've been watching, but now you're going to do, and I'm going to watch. He's about to send them out on their first mission 
without him. He's taking the training wheels off of their bicycles here. And and by the way, if you're into leadership like I am, let's just know this. Jesus is the best leader that has ever walked in this world. This is what leaders do. They equip and encourage other people to lead. And this is exactly what he's doing here. Leaders beget more leaders. World changers beget more world changers. And that's precisely what Jesus is doing. He's setting the stage for these world changers here. He's moving his disciples in Matthew 10 out of the classroom and into the nitty-gritty of the real world where they are going to have the privilege and joy and even hardships at times of establishing and extending the kingdom of heaven right here on planet earth. The very same thing that God's calling us into today as his people. And this is important for us right now at Grace Life. One reason I'm really excited to preach this message today, even knowing that it's not going to hit 100% across the board. But I'm ha- I told you this last week. I'm having conversations now kind of regularly with people in our church family who are saying to me, I think God's calling me to something. Like, I don't know if it's, it's where I'm working right now, like there's something deeper there where I'm in school or if it's something, but I just sense there's a stirring up in my heart that God's doing that. And I love that. People are sensing that they're eager. There's an eagerness in our church family right now in some hearts to follow Jesus and the purposes that God has for them. There's a sense in people's hearts today that God's hand is on my life and he's moving me in some way. There's a recognition of coming to understand God's dream for my life is kind of being felt in my heart and God's working and that people are rising up in these days to answer God's call. And I'm really excited about that. That may mean for some that they don't come to church here anymore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Send them out, Lord. Because we just read that last week, right? He said the, the harvest field's ripe. But there's not enough people to go out into the field. So maybe Matthew 10 isn't interesting or going to be interesting to everybody. But for those of you who are going, I'm, I don't want to do the same old, same old. I, I want to pivot into a new way of living. I want to not just simply be a fan of Jesus now. I want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I want my life to have deep divine purpose and meaning. I want to follow him with However many days I have left in my life. And so it's important for those people. So I'm not going to rush through it, to be honest with you. Um, We'll probably spend today and two more weeks, Lord willing, in Matthew chapter 10. And I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm happy to dock in that harbor for the next three weeks because my hope and prayer is that more people are going to follow Jesus to board that ship and to set sail into deeper waters, waters that you've not been into before, but that's my prayer. So I would summarize last Sunday's message. Let me just try to hitch this up to last Sunday. I would would summarize last Sunday's message like this, the call to kingdom service. We said if we follow our king's heart, that's where it's going to lead us. It's going to lead us to serving King Jesus in this world. We're going to follow him into service in his kingdom. And we said about Jesus last week that his attention is on 
people. He saw them last week as sheep without a shepherd. Remember that? They were dejected. They were distressed. And Jesus had compassion for them. He felt this sense of urgency. That's where he said last week, the fields are ready to be harvested. But, but there's not enough workers going into the field. I planted my garden this year on Good Friday. Kind of like I do every year. I was excited. But by Good Saturday, I'd already lost interest. I was just getting super busy. And not one time have I weeded my garden, not one. Not one time have I watered the garden, and I just gave up on it, just quit on it. Yesterday, I had the tractor out, and I'm just mowing it down. Like, I'm done. I just got to clean it up. Until I got to my bush bean row, and I start noticing my bush beans are filled with beans. I gave up on them, but they didn't give up on me, right? So all of a sudden, yesterday, I'm off the tractor with my five-gallon bucket, And I nearly filled up a five-gallon bucket yesterday of beans that somehow this week of Bible school, i got to find time to snap them, right, and get them put up. And I don't know how I'm going to do that, but here's the deal about the harvest. When the crops come in, you got to go. You can't put them on the calendar for sometime next week or next month. It's time to rock, right? And that's the sense of urgency that we heard Jesus with last week. And then we saw his solution to that. He said, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers out into his field, that people would be invited into the kingdom, that people would be reached. But we also said it's not that we pray or go as workers into the field. It's both. It's not A or B. It's C. It's we both pray for God to send workers into the field, and we be the workers that God's calling out into the field. And here's what I'm loving at Grace Life right now. Because in some of these conversations I'm having with some of you guys, had a conversation a couple weeks ago with one of you guys over here, I won't call your name. And I'm getting this sense from a lot of y'all that there's like this crazy amazement at what is going on in your world right now in a good way. Like this excitement, like there's a sense of God is breaking in to the mundaneness of my life, and there's this fresh joy and vision about serving him, and I don't have it all massaged out yet quite completely, but I know that God is up to something, and you're kind of like surprised by that, and you're caught off guard by that, and let me help you understand if that's your, your kind of thing you got going on, your sense of things right now, like I don't know what's happening in my life, but I didn't really see this coming, let me help you understand what God's doing in your life. We go back to Matthew chapter 9 where we were last week in verse 38, here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out, underline that, send out, to send out workers into his field. That verb, send out, is the same verb that was used to talk about when Jesus sent out demons from demon-possessed people. God's doing that in some of your lives, not casting demons out of you, but in the same power that he can cast demons out of people, it's his same power that lately has been grabbing some of your hearts and he's casting you out into deeper waters, into different places with a fresh awareness and vision of his dream for your life, his purpose and his plan for your life. And it's kind of caught you off guard, but it's not caught him off guard because in his sovereignty, he has reached down and grabbed you up and he's casting you out. He's sending you out. And if that's you today, I don't know how you're sitting still, to be honest with you. You should be like flipping out right now because the God of the universe has laid his hand upon you and has said, I got something for you, let's go. And there's nothing greater or more grand than that. That's what's happening to some of you now. That's what you're experiencing. And by the way, 
there's nothing more than I love that I love, nothing I love more than having a front row seat to watching that happen in y'all's lives. When your eyes get like as big as saucers, I love that. And I'm so thankful. So last week was about the call to kingdom service, and now we get to chapter 10, and we'll label it this way, instructions, instructions for kingdom service. And in this sermon that Jesus is delivering, like a lot of preachers, this one sometimes too, he's got three points in this sermon. And they're pretty easy to identify the points because he concludes each point with the same phrase, and that phrase is, truly I tell you. Or amen, I tell you. And you'll see that phrase at verse 15, at verse 23, and at verse 42. So it's super easy to outline this sermon from Jesus in Matthew chapter 10. So we're going to look at his first point today, which covers verses 1 through 15. And we're going to label his first point in this sermon this, travel instructions. He's, he's gathering his 12 disciples, apostles up, and he's saying, okay, you're going I'm casting you out, and I'm not going with you. And so let me give you just some real practical, down-to-earth instructions that you're going to need for your first, without training wheels, mission trip in this world. And, And listen, this is specific to those men. It's specific to this mission trip. But there are tremendous applications for all of us in the room today out of that. And so let's lock in. And let's grab a hold of this. Travel instructions for kingdom service. Here's the first instruction. Stick together. Stick together. If you were reading Matthew 10, you might have missed this, but it's all over it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. This is something unique that Jesus does for these 12 apostles. He gives this, up, this power to them for this mission. We, we could camp there today and make a whole sermon out of verse 1, but I'm not. I want to get to verse 2 because I think the really good stuff is in verse Verse 2, 3, and 4, and I'll show you what I mean. Verse 2, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also Betrayed him. The most important part of those verses is a word that's repeated six times. It's only three letters. If you grew up watching Schoolhouse Rock, you remember conjunction, junction, right? Remember that? This is a conjunction we're looking at. It's the word and. Do you see that? Peter and Andrew. James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James and Thaddeus, Simon and Judas. I want you to notice this. Not one of Jesus' followers was detached from the others. They were together. They were connected. Travel instruction number one, when you're following Jesus to establish and extend his kingdom in this world, stick together. Kingdom people cannot sustain kingdom work without other kingdom people. 
kingdom people cannot sustain kingdom work without other kingdom people. I know that to be true. I've tried doing that alone, and I can't. I I can't sustain that. That's not the way God has designed it. Jesus did not then, nor does he now, send people into this world to advance his kingdom alone. And listen, alone is something that we're working hard by God's grace in this church family to banish. We don't want alone to exist here. Now, there's only so much that I can do by God's grace from my side of the table. If you're here today and you're feeling detached from kingdom people, you're feeling maybe isolated and alone, you got to do your work on your side of the table too. You got to be intentional to find that conjunction and connect up with somebody. Maybe it's in a group, maybe it's in a place of ministry, a place of service. But kingdom people can't sustain kingdom work without other kingdom people. One of the things that I love the most is the different ministries that I get to be involved in. The best part of those ministries is the people I get to serve Jesus with. I love that. It fuels me. It energizes me to have people that I can pray with, to have people that I can dream with, to have people that I can collaborate with, to have people that I can step into the ring with and battle it out for the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing more exhilarating than that. It's got to always be me and Eddie, me and Shannon, me and Kate, me and it's got to be you and. We got to stick together. Second thing, Jesus says, start where you are. As you're going out, you're going to start where you are. Look what he says, verse five. So Jesus sent out these twelve after him, giving them instructions: don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles, and don't enter any Samaritan town. Now look, Jesus has already been ministering to Gentiles. He's already been ministering to Samaritans. But he looks at the disciples and says, you don't go there. He says this, instead, you go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, a lot we could say there, but let me just say this. The day's going to come that Jesus is going to give them different marching orders. In fact, specifically, 18 chapters later, in Matthew chapter 28, he's going to say, now, go into all the world. But that's not what he's doing here. Right now, he's telling them they only need to start where they were. Their focus was to be on places that were familiar to them. Their focus was to be on people that were familiar to them. And in some ways, familiar places and familiar people makes the mission easier, right? But in other ways, familiar places and familiar people makes the mission more challenging. Because the longer you've had that familiarity, guess what? The more baggage you have, right? The better people know you, the more history you have. Sometimes it's hard to serve Jesus in the most familiar places among the most familiar people. But serving Jesus means that we have to start right where we are. I love that saying that says, bloom where you're planted. I love that. I'm loving watching some of you bloom these days. Right where you are. Right where the Lord has you. Just seeing you be faithful 
in this place. God may take you to something else, to some other place one day, but that day is not this day. Today, he's saying stick together and start where you are. Third instruction, stay on message. Stay on message. Man, we are bombarded by thousands, tens of thousands of different messages every week. We live in this information society. We're so saturated with that. Media of all kinds, social media, mainstream, whatever. And there's just constantly being bombarded by that. And, and sometimes, like, we, we hear and watch these social media influencers or mainstream media influencers. And we kind of find ourselves going, hey, I like that message. I like what they're saying there. I think I'm going to follow that. I'm going to get into that. I'm going to be about that. It's easy to get sucked into that. Some of y'all try to suck me into that. Hey, can you sometimes talk about this? Or can you sometimes talk about that? Nope, I got one thing I'm talking about. His name's Jesus. That's it. That's all we got. This is what kingdom people are called to do. Jesus says, I want you to stay on message. Here's the message, verse 7. As you go, proclaim. Quote, the kingdom of heaven has come near. I know you wish I preached like Jesus because he preaches seven-word sermons. That's all he said. The kingdom of heaven has come. That's the message, y'all, and we got to stay on that message. The kingdom of heaven has come. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His name is Jesus, and he was born of a virgin, and he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died as a substitute on the cross for us, and God raised him from the dead. And if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, and he is inviting you into his kingdom to extend it and to advance it for the glory of his name while you let yet live in this world. Do you want in on that? That's the message. And he says, stay on message. The message is you've been invited to know the king. And to be a citizen of his kingdom and to know life that is a beautiful, abundant, abounding life because Jesus is in it. It's not always easy, but it's different because the king's in your life. Stay on that message. With all the students out here earlier, I said, hey, look, y'all don't have to know the answers to all the questions. And I said, I'll tell you a secret. I don't know all the answers either. But I do know one thing, Jesus, him crucified and risen again. And that's all we got to know. That's the message. So what are the travel instructions? Is followers of Jesus, follow him to establish, extend his kingdom in this world. We got to stick together, start where you are, stay on message. Four, show compassion. Show compassion. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. He just said, you didn't have to pay for my compassion. Nobody else is going to pay for it either. Freely you receive, freely you give. This is what I'm calling you to do. These 12 men have been watching Jesus do these things. And now Jesus is giving them the power to do the very same things. Now listen, we have the power of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us as well. But we hold a different office than these men held. So our lives, our experience is a little bit different than theirs was on this particular mission trip. They're apostles. We're ambassadors. That's the title that God has given to me and you right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, God is speaking through you. You are representing King Jesus in this world. 
and he's making his appeal known through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As ambassadors of King Jesus, we get to represent him to our world. And over and over again through our study in Matthew, I have been touched, even at times overwhelmed. A few weeks ago, as I was studying in my office, and I was in one of those passages about Jesus showing compassion, it was just me and Jesus, and I'm in tears preparing that sermon to see the beauty and the boldness of the compassion of Jesus. And he says, now, you are my ambassadors. You are to freely give that the way it's freely been given to you. Well, how is that? Well, Jesus looked at the people nobody else would look at. He touched the people that nobody else would touch. He spoke with words and in tones to people who were broken and outcast and marginalized, who had not heard words or tones like that from anybody ever before. And last week we saw the text that he was so moved with compassion, he felt it in his bones. He saw the people like sheep without a shepherd. And can I just tell you something this morning? It's been a long time. I don't even know if it's been in my lifetime. But it's been a long time since the church, capital C, had a reputation for being people of compassion. And yet, the king that we say is our king, who felt compassion to his bones. And people don't see us that way. One generation, it seems, went all compassion at the expense of truth. Another generation overcorrected and went all truth at the expense of compassion. But I looked out at scores of Generation Z in this first hour, and I said, dead gummit, you're going to get it right. What we did not get right, you're going to get it right. And what right looks like is an unwavering commitment to believing and living out biblical truth in a kind and in a loving and a compassionate way, just like our King, King Jesus. And they're going to get it. I'm convinced, and we're going to lead them, ain't we? I know that's not good English, but ain't we? (laughs) If that ain't what you're into, go find another church, because we're on a mission that we want to see the church be like Jesus. And some of us have lived long enough to know where we veered off course and where we chose a lesser path. But God in his grace and his mercy has given us more breath to breathe and more beats in our heart. And we still got some time left. And I'm an old guy and I'm flung right back into Generation Z and student ministry. I had a conversation with Shannon last night coming home from second weekend of a wedding. And I said, do you think I could do youth ministry till I'm 70? Because I'm closing in on 50 really quick. And I don't know really what the legit answer to that is, but I can tell you I want to. I want to, because I want to see a generation get it, and I'm all in, and I love that some of us old heads, we're getting it now, we're learning, thanks be to God. So what are we saying? Stick together, start where you are, stay on message, show compassion. Number five, streamline stuff, streamline stuff. 
Verse 9, Jesus said to them, don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag. You know, this came from one of the OCD dudes goes, hey, uh, what should we pack? Jesus goes, nothing. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a staff for the worker is worthy of his food. Now listen, I know those words are for those men, for this moment, for that instant, but I think there's some really good application here. Can we just agree this morning that most of us are really overdoing it on stuff? We're all sitting on our own personal landfill. It's not long from now that all that stuff that you got right there where you live is going to be pushed over into a landfill. It's gone. And we're overdoing it on stuff. We're overdoing it on possessions and things. And the more of that stuff that we buy, that's less resources we have to put into the kingdom. And the more of that stuff that we've bought, that's more time and energy and effort we got to put into keeping up with it and maintaining it. And that's less time and energy we got toward staying on message and showing the compassion of Jesus. Maybe the first step today for some of us as real followers of Jesus who want to be about his kingdom in the world is streamline the stuff. Simple. Streamline. Start traveling through life lighter. And man, that could free us, right? To get more about seeking first the kingdom of God. So what are we saying? Jesus says, you're following me. We're going to establish, we're going to build, we're going to advance my kingdom on planet earth right now. So stick together, start where you are, stay on message, show compassion, streamline stuff. Number six, seek out like-minded people. Seek out like-minded people. People. Look at verse 11. He says, when you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy. And stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it's unworthy, let your peace return to you. Again, a lot we could say there, but I think we boil it down. Here's what Jesus is saying. Wherever I send you, there's going to be like-minded people there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have kingdom people waiting on you when you get where you're going. You might not have known them before. You didn't know where to find them. But this is the faithfulness of God. Because he says, I want you to stick together. Kingdom people can't sustain kingdom work without other kingdom people. So God calls Brandon to a new job. Brandon, God's already got a like-minded person there who's already a kingdom person for you to connect with. I was telling all these students, you're moving to a different school. You're moving up to middle school. You're moving up to high school. You're moving up to college you got to find those like-minded people, moms, dads, grandparents. If there's one thing you ought to be praying for our students right now, it's whatever it is they're transitioning into right now, to middle school, to high school, to college, to the workforce. We need to be praying, seeking the face of God, that God, for the first four, five, six weeks, God, would you show them kingdom people to connect their lives to? Listen, college students, I know the youth are not in this room. They're having pancakes right now. God bless them. But I got some college students in here. Maybe you're going off to college. Some of you have been in college now a couple of years. And you know it to be true. Those first few weeks that you're there, that new place, just like you guys at work, you know, the people you surround yourself with those first few weeks, those kind of become your people for better or for worse. And Jesus is saying when you go into this world about my kingdom, you find these like-minded people. 
Seek those people out. How many of you ever got to a new job and you found that person that loved Jesus like you love Jesus? Right? I mean, I work at a church. I never get to work with anybody that loves Jesus. But maybe you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But some of you have had that experience. Or you moved into a neighborhood. And you should, God led you to that neighbor that also loved Jesus. And man, what a world of difference that makes. And that's how kingdom work gets going. That's how the kingdom gets established in these pockets of work and school and community. Because like-minded people begin to find the conjunction, right? And they connect. And the kingdom starts advancing and moving forward. But here i got to tell you this as we start landing this plane. Even with all this, all these instructions that Jesus has given us, it's exciting through six points, but we got to remember this. This king that we're following, the world rejected him. And so if you're really following him, the world's going to reject you too. If you're following Jesus, you're going to face your share of rejection in this world. So what do we do? We're following him. We're about his kingdom in this world. What do we do when the going gets tough? That brings us to number seven. Shake off rejection. Shake off rejection and keep going. Let's read it. Verse 14. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now listen. Super important that we try to put this in the right context real fast, okay? Because some of you... Some of you have gotten really jaded and cynical and maybe bitter even, and you're looking for reasons just to turn away from people. I mean, we're quick to just label people as toxic. We're, ticked, we're quick just to label people as narcissistic, and I want a healthier existence, so I'm not going to have anything to do with those people. That is not what Jesus is talking about here. That, that's not what he's saying here. It's not what he's endorsing. Remember, here's the deal. These men, he's given them power to do these amazing miracles, driving out demons, healing diseases. They're, they're going to these people in the power of God, with the message of God, showing great compassion. But even with all that, I mean, like, all the stuff they can throw at some of these folks, all the good stuff of God, there's still people whose hearts are so hard, they're just pushing back over and over and over again, they're turning away from that. Here's what Jesus isn't doing here. Jesus isn't saying, when you try to go love somebody and show the love of Jesus, share the love of Jesus, share the gospel with them, and they're not interested, he's not saying, don't ever talk to them again. He's not saying, give up. He's not saying, walk away from them. He's not saying, abandon people because they might not yet understand the gospel. That might be all it is. They just don't understand yet. The Holy Spirit's working, but we're not there yet. They're not ready yet to believe and trust Jesus. We don't turn away from folks like that because if we do, we're turning away from people who are just like we were. Wasn't there a time, Roy, when you weren't ready to give your life to Jesus? Wasn't there a time that we didn't understand the gospel? Wasn't there a time that the Holy Spirit hadn't yet drawn us to be converted and saved? And so we want to be really slow about saying, well, I'm, I'm, you know, one and done, baby. Thank God nobody 
that I know of took that approach with this guy. Somebody kept loving me. Somebody kept praying for me. Somebody kept sharing with me. Jesus isn't endorsing a one-and-done approach to sharing the gospel, but he is saying this. There may be sometimes, I think it'll be the exception, not the rule, but there may be sometimes you're going to encounter people that they've had as much of the light of the truth of God that could be poured into a human being, and they're still resistant. They're, they're still pushing against and pushing back, resisting, refusing. What then? Well, then that may be the time that you say, okay, God, it's not happening through me. So you shake off the rejection and you keep moving. It may be time for you to be done with that person, but take heart. That doesn't mean that God is. It could be that God has used you up to that point, and now he has somebody else ready to hand the baton to, to go to the next place. But you can't pridefully and arrogantly stay in that place and go, well, I'm the guy to get it done. It's going to be me. I'm going to change this, this person. That's not your job. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I've never saved anybody. Not one. You'll never save any. I've never changed anybody. Lord of mercy, I can't even change myself. More or less somebody else. This is the gracious work of, of God. You can't spend all your time spinning your wheels on somebody that just continues to resist and oppose God. That's a hard pill to swallow. I get it. When I was younger, man, I thought I could solve everything. I've been plowing in this field called Grace Life a long time. A long time. And when I was younger, man, I'd be plowing in the field and I'd hit a stump. And I thought, we're going to get through it. And I'd back up and hit the stump. And I'd back up and hit the stump. And I'd back up and hit the stump. And I was using all my time and all my energy and all my resources trying to uproot a stump. But some people just want to be stumps. If you're not laughing, you're the stump. <laughs> God had to teach me. This is not your job. I didn't call you to uproot stumps. I called you to plow the field. And I've had to learn to be okay to go around some stumps and shake the dust off my feet and keep going. That don't mean God's not going to deal with them. I know he loves them, but I got a job to do. You got to do your job, and you got to let God do his job. That's all we can do. Sometimes you just got to be content with what Craig Groeschel calls getmo, G-E-T-M-O. It means good enough to move on. Ministry's not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to accomplish everything in the kingdom you wanted to accomplish. Everything you prayed for is not necessarily going to happen. And you can be so prideful and stubborn, like, I'm sticking in it, man, till it, till it happens. But sometimes you've got to be okay to say it's good enough to move on. For years, our pastors have this thing we call LIB. It's initials for an old Beatles tune, Let It Be. 
Because sometimes we're dealing with folks and situations and we've done everything we know to do. And we go, are we going to spend another day hitting this stump? Heck to the no. Let it be. Let it be. God, your job. Because ours isn't, we're not getting it done. Again, that's not every day. Thank the Lord. That's not the rule. That's the exception. But we need to know that. Okay? I've done everything I can do in this person's life. Got to leave them now. To the Lord. So if you're here today and I don't know where you are in your faith, maybe today you're a fan of Jesus. Again, I'm so thankful that you're here. I don't think you're going to stay a fan. I think God's going to work and he's going to draw you to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus in time. Stick around because this is a place where God just seems to be changing lives. I'm really excited. But for those of you who are looking out into the harvest fields and you're following Jesus, you sense, man, he's casting me out. Something's going on in my world, in my life right now. Then this is our instructions today. Stick together. Who's on the other side of your and this morning? Start where you are. Where are you serving? Where is that today? Stay on message. Don't, don't freak out that you've got to be able to say a million things. No, just one thing a million times. Stay on that message. Show compassion. Walk slowly among people. Look closely at people and love them deeply. Streamline stuff. Less is more. Seek out like-minded people. Wherever God's putting you, you'll be glad you did. You're going to need each other. And shake off rejection. Keep moving. Do your job. Let God do his job. God, thank you today. Jesus, great instructions that we need as we go into this world. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm coming at you this morning. I ain't going to lie to you because here's what I know. I know God's working in hearts and lives. I know in these days we're living in, God is raising people up. I'm having these conversations. And I, wanna, I don't often stand here and, and, and give this opportunity, but I'm doing it today. Today, if you're here and you go, I know God is working in my life. And I sense a fresh sense of purpose and mission and calling. And, man, I want to live out the kingdom. I don't want to live out my kingdom. I want to live out his kingdom, his purposes, his plan, his agenda. Because it's way better. It's way more beautiful than anything else this world has to offer. And I know, I know he's moving me forward. Hey, but here's where it starts. There has to be a moment you decide what that turtle wasn't deciding this morning. There's got to be a moment you decide now's the time I'm sticking my neck out for Jesus today. Because you're never going to go anywhere until you make that decision to stick your neck out. So all across this room today, the question is not, hey, who's being called to pastor a church? Maybe that's you. The question is not necessarily who's being called to be a missionary in some faraway land. That may be you. Or what may be you is God saying, your neighborhood, build my kingdom in it. Where you work, build my kingdom in it. You can't do that as a fan. You got to do that as a follower. So I'm calling you. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you. Stick your neck out. Let's go. Let's go. And so I just want to know if that's anybody in this room this morning who's sensing that. Not that you got all the answers. You don't. None of us do. You don't have it all figured out. None of us do. But I'm just this morning wondering. 
there's anybody that would just today stick their neck out and stand on their feet right now and say, Pastor, that is where I'm at. And you know what your pastor's going to do? I'm going to pray for you right here, right now, in this moment. Because you are at an exciting precipice in your life. Yeah, I see you. You're already standing. Who else? Because, hey, I'm, I'm saying yes today to Jesus. Come on. I see you, ladies. I see you. Come on. I'm saying yes. I'm in. Follow wholeheartedly. Come on, I see you. Come on, anybody else? Yeah, just stand up. Stand up. There you go. Yeah, I see you. Come on. God, thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. Not only those on their feet. God, I know people sitting right now. You're at work great and mighty things, God, that you're accomplishing in and through people. God, we're grateful for Jesus, our King, our Savior. Grateful that we belong to you because of him. And we're people of your family, your church, your body, your kingdom. And there's God-sized purpose and mission and meaning to all of this, God. So, God, I pray for these today. God, that you would give them boldness and courage, humility, a passion for your presence and for your word, a heart for prayer. God, that you would connect them with the right people. God, that their eyes would be on you. God, give them strength to stand when the enemy pushes back. Not only is this journey worth it, Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth following. So help us to do that. And I want to invite everybody to stand. Let's worship the Lord together. This song is a prayer that we're praying to the Lord today. So let's lift our hearts before him. Cry out to him. Sing out to the Lord.